0: If you would go to Romans, the first chapter, and Luke, chapter 4, Romans 1, Luke 4. Well, for some weeks now, we've been on this series that we're calling Good News to the Poor, and our texts are here in Romans 1 and Luke 4. Romans 1, Spirit of God through Paul said, as much as in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I'm ready to preach the gospel. Now, the gospel literally means good uh, tidings, uh, the good message, good news, oftentimes you'll hear. And uh, it is the best news you ever heard. It's the news of how God, through Jesus, has obtained eternal redemption for us. How that through his substitution, he took our place and bore the penalty, the punishment, the judgment for all our sins and failures and disobedience and rebellion. He took what we deserved in punishment and then gave us what we did not merit. Amen. Or deserve in blessings and benefits. It's the best trade you ever made. It's the best news you ever heard. Verse 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is, the gospel is, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. How many in here believe that you're born again? You believe your name's in the last book of life? That if you fell off the chair dead right now, you'd go straight to be with Jesus. You believe that? (laughs) How'd you get that way? One day somewhere, you heard the gospel, didn't you? You heard the good news. And though we might not have realized it, When we heard that good news, in the good news was the faith we needed to believe it and receive it. Because the faith came from hearing it. Didn't it? And then when we believed it and received it, the power to save us was in it. He sent his word and saved us and healed us and delivered us. His word did it. The gospel is, doesn't just talk about the power It is the power of God unto salvation. Now, the enemy knows this better than most Christians. And so he cannot overpower the gospel. He can't stop the gospel from doing what it does in the lives of those that believe. But what he can do is try to prevent people from preaching the gospel and hearing the gospel. And a second Corinthians the fourth chapter and the third verse. He said, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. People who are lost are lost because they have not seen nor believed nor received the gospel. And the enemy is in at work continuously in this area to blind people to keep them from seeing it or hearing it, and he 's constantly at work to intimidate to uh, hinder people that would tell the gospel or or preach the gospel and it must have been something like this working against Paul or otherwise why would he say i 'm not ashamed of the gospel That's right. if you were never pressed to be ashamed, or uh, there was no force to silence you, uh, there'd be no reason to say, I'm not ashamed. But but very right, if he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, reveals he's resisting something. Something that's been trying to shame him and silence him. Can you see the enemy's purpose? To shame and silence. Why? Why? Because I don't care what man or woman there is or where they're from or what their background is. If they hear the real gospel and they believe it and they receive it, all the devils in hell can't stop them from being gloriously born again and healed and delivered and prospered and set free and on and on. So the enemy's job is to keep people from seeing it. Now in uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, if you'd turn there, if you're holding that place, Luke 4 and 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim the gospel to the poor. Is there good news, a good message to the poor? What is it? What is the good news to the poor? Well, a lot of folks read that and they think, well, you can be saved. No, that's the good news to the lost. Every one of these is specific. Read the rest of the passage. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What's good news to the brokenhearted? You can be born again? No, you can be healed to preach deliverance to the captives what's good news to the captives you can be you can be born again no you can be delivered what's good news to the blind you can get your, you can recover your sight not be born again to set at liberty them that are bruised what's good news to those that are bruised from chains and shackles you can be liberated you can be set free so in light of that what's good news to the poor You can be rich. Now there are many who would try to shame us for preaching such a thing. I've received ugly letters before. And people said, uh, one guy said, I don't preach all that healing stuff and all that prosperity stuff. You could tell he despised it by the way he said it. You know, who in their right mind would be opposed to being healed? (laughs) Or to having all your bills paid? You know. Uh, people are not that confused, except in church. <laughs> the same people that'll sit up in church and, and hurl up and go, you know, we don't believe in that healing stuff. Well, they sure believe it at the doctor's office. Yeah. They're trying to get healed. That's right. We won't believe in that prosperity. Well, you sure believe it uh, using most of the hours and prime of your life trying to work and get some money. That's right. It's hypocrisy. If you believe in being poor, Be poor. Quit trying to make money and be broke. If you believe in being sick, don't go to the doctor. Don't try to get out of it. Yield to the will of God. This is confusion, isn't it? No, people didn't get this from the word. They got it from confused preachers and confused people and people that went to school and got more mixed up before they went. No, there is good news to the lost. You can be saved. There's good news to the sick. You can be healed. There's good news to the oppressed and depressed. You can have peace and joy. There's good news to the bound. You can be delivered. And there is good news to the poor. Come on, do you believe there's good news to the poor? if you haven't been with us we've already covered a lot of ground let me just share uh, with you a few of them don't try to turn to these I'll just go over them real quickly the Bible says Deuteronomy 8:18. 8, remember the Lord your God it's he that gives you power to get wealth yes. could that be interpreted as good news if you were poor yes. Psalm 35 27, 35 27 let the Lord be magnified which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant could you take that as good news if you were broke Ecclesiastes 5.19, 5.19, every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him the power to eat thereof and take his portion and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Riches and wealth, the gift of God. Psalm 113.7, is there any good news for the poor is what I'm asking. Psalm 113 7 says God raises up the poor out of the dust and he lifts the needy out of the dung hill. that's the garbage pile yes. verse 8 that he may that He may set him with princes even with the princes of his people if you were living in the dump do you reckon that'd be good news to you if God said I'm lifting you up out of this garbage pile and I'm going to set you with princes yes, yes. People say, well, you know, you know, God has chosen for some to be wealthy. And, and the implication is some he has not. Some, obviously, he has ordained to be poor. That is a lie. Yes. He hadn't ordained anybody to be poor any more than he ordained somebody to be lost. Right. Now, people say, well, now, if it was God's will for everybody to be healed, then we'd all be healed. And we're obviously not. And even a lot of good people not healed. So it's not always his will. That is faulty logic. It's unscriptural. Why don't you believe that concerning sin? If you people say, well, the Lord has redeemed us from sin. And it's not God's will for us to have sin in our life. So that means nobody, none of us Christians will have any sin in our life. If it was God's will for us not to have sin, then none of us would have sin. And the fact that a lot of Christians got sin in their life must mean it's God's will for some to have sin in their life. That's just the same logic. It's saying because some are not healed, it must be His will for them to have sickness in their life. Because some are, are poor, it must be His will. No, you don't discern what is the will of God by what happened to you or didn't happen to you. Or happened to somebody else. Or didn't happen to somebody else. You discern the will of God by this book. Come on now. And that's true. No matter what you see or don't see. Or experience or don't experience. Don't be foolish. And try to water down this. To match your lack of experience. Don't do it. So many have read in here, and if they don't see it in their life, then they start explaining it away. Well, that dispensation is past, and and this is not and for everybody, and we just don't know. No, no. Humble yourself. And if you see something in here that you're not experiencing, don't explain it away. Say, Lord, elevate my life to this. Bring me up to this. Don't try to water that down to you. Let him bring you up to this. I want you to know there's good news to the lost. And there's good news to the sick. And there's good news to the oppressed. And there's good news to the poor. There's good news to the poor. Do you believe it? What is the good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor. Jesus became poor. So you could be made rich. Am I quoting New Testament scripture? Yes, Go with me if you would this morning to Third John two. Third epistle of John. And the uh, second verse. Third John two. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. What you said out loud, God wants me to prosper. He went on to say, and be in health. health. Say it out loud. God wants me to to be in health. He went on to say, even as your soul prospers. The Weish translation says it like this. Beloved, in all things I'm praying that you will be prospering and that you'll be continually having good health. Just as your soul is prospering, King James says, even as. Now some have taken this and tried to twist it around and say, well, the most important thing is prospering in your soul, and and that's the main thing, and and whether you're very healthy or not, or prosperous or not, that ain't the big deal. No, no, no. He said, I want you to prosper. Didn't he say it? Above all things. Don't let somebody water that down and explain that away. Say it out loud: God wants me to prosper. he wants me to be in hell. He the rest of the verse tells you how it's going to happen. It happens. The prospering and the healing happens as your soul prospers. It's connected to it. It's connected to it. It happens in relation to it. Let me say it like this. Prosperity doesn't begin In your pocket. It begins in your soul. It doesn't begin. In with things. And money and and stuff in your accounts. It begins. In your soul. And one of the things. That has to happen. For you to prosper in God. Is your soul. Has to change. And you got to get rid. Of the poverty. Mentality. And the stingy, narrow, miserly mentality and spirit. And become a liberal, generous, joyous, free soul. In Revelation, he talked to individuals that said, they said, we're rich. We got everything. he said, you don't know it, but you're blind and poor. There's much more to being rich, what we're talking about in the church here, than having a bunch of money. Much more to it. The Bible distinguishes between being rich in the world or being rich in God. Which one do you want to be? Help me out. Rich in God is what we want to be. You ready for some changes on the inside? You, you believe this word could help you out? And open you up and get you free? Said out loud, be it unto me according to thy word. Uh, Psalm 7312, don't turn to these, just listen. Psalm 7312, he talked about the ungodly who prosper in the world. They're prospering, but this is not prospering in God. This is prospering in the world. 1 Timothy 6, 17 talks about being rich in this world. But then he talks about God giving us richly all things to enjoy. Luke 12, 21. Luke 12, 21 mentions the man who laid up treasure for himself and was what? He was not rich. He had a bunch of stuff. But he was not rich toward God. You can have a lot of stuff and still be a poor man because of the way you see things and the way you are on the inside. There are people that's got a lot of money and they're not enjoying any of it. They're losing sleep that somebody may get some of it or that they may lose some of it. There's people that's got good china for 20 years and they've never used it. Don't know what they're saving it for, but it hadn't happened in 30 years. Why? They got nice stuff. They won't use it. They won't let anybody else use it. They're still poor on the inside. And we must have these changes. Our soul must prosper in order to truly prosper. And be rich, not just in the world, but be rich in God. Yes. Stuff is just stuff. That's right. It can't satisfy you. It can't make you happy. And you can't even enjoy stuff unless you're rich in God. Yes. I was telling in the first service, an individual I heard, oh, this was, oh, this was 25, 30 years ago. A guy was getting a new Porsche a real exclusive model that was the turbo fastest thing made. It was way over $100,000 back there that long ago. And somebody asked him, I don't know, a few months after he got that, they said, what was the best thing about getting that amazing car? He said, "Uh, the day before I got it. (laughs) And when he said that, I thought, I know what he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. Why? Because... The day before he got it, it's a dream. But it's a dream that's about to come true. And you can imagine that I'm going to get this car and it's going to do things for me that I haven't had before. It's going to make me cool. It's going to wow me. It's going to thrill me. It's going to do this and that. And a few weeks after you got it and a few months after you got it, you realize you still you, <laughs> and you still gotta brush your teeth and comb your hair, and you got a rock chip on this hundred thousand dollar car just like you do on your pickup, <laughs> and it's just metal and rubber and plastic. It's a car, but it cannot satisfy your soul. It cannot. And you got people that try to fellowship with them. They do their best to fellowship with their cars. My baby. But it does not love you back. And it never will. (laughs) And in a few more years, it'll be junk. It'll be dust and rust. Just a fact. But... A man, a woman, who's rich in God, can enjoy something nice, because they, while they're riding down in the road in it, they can praise God yeah. and and have they fill up with the car, fill up with the presence of God, and the car is not satisfying you, but God is, and you can share with your friends and your family, and y'all can shout and have good parties, and you can talk about what they're believing for too, and. Yes don't have to have any envy or any resentment or any superiority or inferiority. People that are rich in God know how to really have fun. And they really can enjoy stuff. Now, before you can be rich like this and free like this, you have to get free from stuff. And that's why one of the reasons you see the Lord put his finger with the rich young ruler, what he tell him to do give it all away. Not because he wanted him to take a vow of poverty. Nothing said about that. Not because he wants him to never have anything in life. It's obvious why he told him this, because the man left. He would not do it. And it wasn't just the money that was the problem, it was his trust in it. He couldn't see parting from it or he'd lose his identity without it. It was his safety net. It was his God, obviously, because he he chose it instead of Jesus. Didn't he? And the only way to get free from that was for him to do what Jesus said and turn loose of it. Now, just knowing what little I know about the Lord, it would have come back to him. So in all that, it would have come back to him. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over in his life and in the life to come. But he was a rich man. And yet, can you see, he was still poor. He was still poor on the inside. Go with me to Leviticus, please. The 19th chapter. Leviticus 19. Let's begin to see something that will really help you. I'm excited about it really help you, help me, help us to get free. Leviticus 19 and 9. Leviticus 19 and 9. When the Lord said, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. Neither shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. Verse 10. You shall not glean your vineyard, neither shall you gather every grape of every vineyard. You shall leave them. Everybody say, leave them. them. You shall leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. Listen to other translations. The Young's literal translation says it like this. You do not completely reap the corner of your field. The NIV says, do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. If you drop some, what do you say do? Leave them. Leave them. If you missed some on the first picking, what do you do? Leave them. You don't go back and get them, you leave them. I want you to say these two words, leave some. Leave some. <laughs> say it out loud, leave some. leave some. Over here, say leave some. Leave some. In the back. Leave some over here on this side. Leave some. The Bible said, leave some, leave some in the uh, new living translation, new living translations, verse 10, he said, do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and don't pick up the grapes that fall to the ground, leave them. Everybody say leave them. Leave he said, leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Leave them. Go over to the 23rd chapter. He brings it up again. Leviticus 23 and uh, 22. 23 and 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not make clean riddance of the corners of your field, When you shall reap, neither shall you gather any gleaning of your harvest. You shall leave them to the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. The Dewey translation says, when you reap the corn of your land, you shall not cut it to the very ground. You'll leave it. Go to Deuteronomy, the 24th chapter. Just want this established with you. What's the two words? Leave Leave some. Leave some. Now this is contrary to religious tradition. It's contrary to a lot of what you may have been brought up with. But that's why we're talking about it this morning. We need mind renewal. We need change. Prosperity doesn't begin in your pocketbook. It begins in your soul. This word can prosper your soul. And help you begin to to break loose and break free. And it'll show up in your material world. In your finances. Deuteronomy 24, 19. When you cut down your harvest in the field. And you forgot a sheaf in the field. Now this is not just a handful. This is a whole pile. A whole stack. What did he say? Don't go back and get it. Don't go get it. It'll be. For the stranger. The fatherless. The widow. That the Lord your God may bless you. In all the work of your hands. Verse 20. When you beat your olive tree. Don't go over the boughs again. You go over it. Don't go back. And check it again. And get every one. Leave some. You hear how quiet it is. (laughs) When you gather the grapes of your vineyard. You shall not glean it afterward. Don't pick every bean. Don't get every olive. Don't get every grape. Drop them. If you leave a whole basket out there. Don't go back and get it. Leave some. Now. I can see two major things this did. For one thing. This that people left in their fields folks that were displaced and didn't have a home and didn't have a crop could come and get it but you know that not everybody came and picked up every grape that was dropped so some of this and depending on how good everybody was doing in the community nobody may have come over to uh, pick up the scraps out of your field so what would have happened to what you left then it's just gone and that's okay. <laughs> that is all right. <laughs> now see people say, yeah, but yeah, but the, yeah, but yeah, but the Lord said, be a good steward. That is not an excuse for being stingy. Yeah, that's right. And for being a miser. Look in Isaiah. Isaiah. 32. Isaiah 32 and 5. Let's read this in the New King James. New King James. He said, the foolish person will no longer be called generous, nor the miser said to be bountiful. Being tight, squeezing every penny is not the way to be rich in God. In fact, the proverb talks about it. It's it's an amazing thing, how that you can actually try to save more and wind up with less. Hold your place here in Isaiah. Uh, Put up Proverbs 11.24 for us. 11.24 in the NIV. One man gives freely and gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. He holds on to it. He squeezes it. He tries to save. And you would think, because he's keeping everything, he would increase. But no, it takes you to poverty. And another person is just giving and just letting it go. And it comes in and it goes out. And you would think, well, man, they're not going to have a thing. And they wind up prospering. There's he that scatters and yet increases the King James. And verse 25. A generous man will prosper. Said out loud. A generous man. A generous man. Will, prosper. will prosper. Well, what about a stingy man? Tight man. Narrow-souled. Miserly. You know miser is very similar to miserable. <laughs> Same root word, isn't it? a generous man will prosper. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, we won't be able to get into this fully today. I hope you can come back. The Lord gives us some more time. We need to move further into this. But we're going to deal with and answer the question, should the poor give? And the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. And that the poorest among us can be just as generous as the richest among us. Because it's not based on what you have. It's based on what you do with what you have. But see, all kind of people make excuses and do nothing because they have little. Doing nothing because you have little is a cop-out. It's a deception. The only real excuse for doing nothing is if you had nothing. I know some uh, years back, oh, this has been, this was uh, just a few years after we started sending materials in our mail outs. This was before we had a church here or anything. And I was out on the road one day and this lady came up to me. She was older. And she said, I want to thank you, Brother Keith. You have sent me uh all these tapes every month and it was just what I needed there have been times I was hurting and it was a word in season to me it helped me so much she said I never gave you a dime in all these 10 or 15 years and you've sent me something every month I just want to thank you and I said great I'm, I'm glad we could send it that's why we do it that's what we want to do and uh, that's fine and you know about sending anything and so as I'm walking away I wasn't thinking any more about it. The Lord spoke to my heart. He said, that is not okay. That is not all right. It took me by surprise, I thought, huh? Because I had told her it was okay because she was on a fixed income and she was older and she was just barely getting by. And I was thinking, well, you know, she don't need to send anything. The Lord said, that is not okay. She could send a quarter a month. Yep. Come on. The only excuse for doing nothing is if you have nothing. If you got something, you can do something. And I don't care if you only got $2. You can be just as generous with your $2 as somebody could with their 2000000 million. Couldn't you? It's because generosity is not based on what you have. It's based on what you're willing to do That's right. with what you have, where you are now. Can you see this, friends? Yes. And see, this is the stuff we've got to get free from because people are making excuses and they're saying, well, you know, if I had more, I'd do more. That is a lie. According to Jesus, what, if you had 10 times what you got now, you would do exactly with that what you're doing with what you have now. That's what he said. In Luke 16, if you're unfaithful with that which is least, you'd be unfaithful with much and more. But people try to act like, well, you know, they don't have anything, so they shouldn't be expected to do anything. That's what you think. It's not what the Lord said. And it's not what He thinks. Is it true you can be generous no matter what you have? No matter where you are. And the generosity is You don't receive with your head. You believe and receive with your heart. And out of the same heart. That you can open up. To flow out. As big as you can open up to flow out. That's how big you can receive. Hallelujah. If it's narrow for you to flow out. Then it's narrow for you to receive. Remember the, the man of God. That came during the drought. And he met the woman. And, and he said would you bring me a drink. And and she's said, okay. And he said, would you bring me a little bite to eat? Well, that's like asking for gold. I mean, because it's a famine. And she said, I just got a little bit of meal and, and I'm gathering up these sticks and we'll make a little cake for me and my boy. And then I guess we're going to eat it and die. That's all we got. And he said, well, bring me a little. And she had nothing. And was she generous with what she had? She was. And because of that generosity did she receive? Come, can you see? she opened up her heart, she opened up her house, she opened up her little meal barrel. It was a little bitty dab of meal, but she was generous. Somebody say generous, Amen. generous yeah. with it, and I mean God caused their meal barrel and their crews all not to fail, and they ate for many days yeah. till the drought was past. God provided for them being poor. There's no excuse for being stingy. Right. They are not the same. You can hardly have anything. And be generous. Yes. Catch you? Yes. And be a liberal soul. You may not have much on the outside. But you can be rich and generous on the inside. You can have a big heart. And you can be open. And it is the key to you receiving from Him. Do you believe it? Yes. Go back to Isaiah please. Verse 5. The foolish person will no longer be called generous and the miser said to be bountiful. Pinching and scraping and picking up every little piece and squeezing every penny. And it is not the way to bountifulness. It's the way to poverty. We just got through reading. Keep on reading verse six and all the way to eight. The foolish person will speak foolishness. And his heart will work iniquity to practice ungodliness, to utter error against the Lord, to keep the hungry unsatisfied, and to cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. This will keep you hungry. It'll keep you thirsty. Verse 7, the schemes of the schemer are evil. He devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaks justice. Now look at verse 8, but... A generous man devises generous things and by generosity he shall stand. When times get tight, you don't have to. When things get tight, Times get tight. You may not. You're not in control of everything that's going on around about you. And things and stuff can get tight. Other people are involved. Don't let it get inside of you. If the tightness is out here. Don't let the tightness get in your soul. Don't yield to fear. And stop what you were doing and quit being liberal and quit being generous. And I'm not just talking about giving in church. I'm talking about every day of your life, yes. everywhere you are. Yes. I, I don't know at the times, you know, sometimes uh, we don't, maybe don't tell enough about this stuff, but Phyllis and I, uh, from the time we launched out to obey the Lord and go into the ministry. I mean, juncture after juncture, after juncture, we, the Lord dealt with us to sow everything we had. It was not almost everything, everything we had. And it didn't seem like much, but looking back, you can see those acts of obedience and what opened up to the next thing and how the Lord brought you from one to the other and how if you'd have been foolish and held on to it and were too afraid to step out and obey. I mean, we don't talk about all the details, but when we came here to Branson, we liquidated everything. We gave everything, and then believe for God for what we didn't have. What we're doing down in Sarasota now is faith, my brother, sister. Yes. Yes. We're sowing everything we got. We're not asking anybody. We're not reaching and pulling. We're giving everything we got. Yes, Hallelujah. And glad to do it. Yeah. Why? Acting like there's a lot more where that came from. Oh, yeah. You know, recently we sowed that big seed to the church up in the northeast This building out there. I mean, that virtually cleaned out that account. And uh, when the Lord dealt with me to do it, I hesitated about a half a day. And this is what he said to me. He said, if that was a small amount, you wouldn't still be praying about it. The only reason you're still praying about this is because it's this big. I said, you are right, of course. (laughs) And I'm done talking about it, and we'll talk to the board about it, and that's it. (laughs) But again and again, we have cleaned out accounts. Why? Confident that where that came from, there's plenty more to come. You know, uh, Phyllis, I got her a little dog uh, years ago. We named Mandy, a little shih tzu. She's been gone now for some years, but she lived for a long, long time. And during that time, this is way before we had a church here or anything, we traveled all the time. And we had somebody come by and check the house once in a while, but uh, we had a a large area outside the house and the dog could, little dog door could get in the garage and everything. And we'd fill up her bowl to overflowing, and she'd be fine with that for a week or two people would come by and check Somebody said, well, she wouldn't eat it all no because from the time she was born that bowl was never empty right. and apparently she had no fear right. of the bowl running out so she wouldn't try to eat it all how many think we could have as much faith as the Mandy dog <laughs> that God is going to keep filling the bowl up and we won't run out. Do you believe we could trust him? And if he says, go ahead and pour the rest of it out, we can do it. No problem. Knowing that there's plenty more where that came from. And that our God, our unfailing source will not run out. He won't let us down. You know, there's times that God has dealt with people. I I'm thinking, uh, uh, you know, I, numerous times the Lord dealt with me to sow what I had. And, and you're thinking, well, i got to have gas for the rest of the week. And i got to do this and i got to do that. and But you just, that's not important. The important thing is, did he deal with you to do it? Right. That's the important thing. And if he did, you can trust him. Right. But there's a lot of people that, that have missed it. The Lord dealt with them to do it. And they got to thinking, well, yeah, but i got to pay this bill by next week. And i got to do this. And i got to have this before the end of the week. And they don't do it. They procrastinate or they just don't do it or they do something much less. They don't obey. Why? Why don't they do it? Because they are not convinced God can or will get it back to them in time by the time they need it. And it's got nothing to do with being able to afford it. It's got everything to do with faith. Can you see this, friends? No, no, no. The liberal, generous soul Will prosper. What did he say verse 8. Read that again. Verse 8. The generous. This is uh, Isaiah 32. 8 I believe it was. The generous man does what? He devises. Generous things. Now the miserly. That he was talking about back in verse 5. The miserly. The stingy. They're always devising a way. To squeeze more out of it. I know uh, Phyllis and I grew up relatively poor. Our parents and their parents before them grew up in poverty, pretty much. And and uh, even years into the ministry, the Lord was dealing with me. You still got poverty mentality. You got to get this out of you. You got to get your soul needs to prosper, so you can prosper outside. And uh, thing after thing. And to this day, things will come up, and He'll put a finger on it and say, "You got to quit thinking that way. You got to. This is choking you. This is narrowness." This is hindering you, and if it's hindering me, it's hindering you, yes. Yes. hindering the church, hindering our partners, hindering the the fruit of it. And uh, uh, I told the first service something. The Lord began to work in me. I've always liked cars, and uh, growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, so we learned to work on stuff ourselves, and right. and we'd tie it up and weld it and fix it and That's and, you know, you you did usually didn't have the money to go get a part for it. So you just had to try to make what you had work or go find it, a piece off of something else. And so after Phyllis and I had gone to Bible school, we'd got a little, I got a little sports car and I was fixing it up. And um, uh, we moved from one apartment to the other. Finally, we got us a little house we were going to rent. We were so happy to be out of the apartment buildings. We're going to have our own house, our own garage, our own washer and dryer. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) And uh, so every one of these apartments, I had carted around my old car parts that I had taken off. I'm fixing this car up. And as I'm taking these old parts off, I'm keeping them and hauling them around. Well, I'm boxing them up. And Phyllis comes out of the house. She's boxing stuff up in the kitchen. She says, oh, you're not taking those old greasy car parts to our new house, are you? I said, sure, yeah. I mean, if you had to go to the salvage yard and buy some of this, it'd cost you good money. She looked and she said, well, I thought we was believing God for a new car. Well, we are. She said, well, will any of those old parts fit the new car? And and even if the new car needed a new part, wouldn't we believe God to get a new part? Put on the new car? I said, well, yeah, you go on back inside and take care of your stuff. I'll take care of this out here. She said, well, okay. And, uh, and the Lord's dealing with me. That's right. That's right. And. So I said, "That's yeah, i got to get free from this. And and so I took it all and and disposed of it and quit doing it. And it wasn't just a few months. We had that new car. And sure enough, it did need a new part. And you know what we we did? We went to the car place and got a new part (laughs) and put on it. But this is why people hoard. This is why people's houses and yards are such a junk pile, trash heap mess. That's why they're afraid to open the closets. (laughs) Poverty. Spirit. Narrowness of soul. Y'all with me, friends? That's why people's got, you know, every refrigerator that them and their parents and grandparents ever had (laughs) still out in the yard. (laughs) And every old piece of car and tractor and truck. Why? 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 Because you might need, you might need, yeah, you might need a rusty compressor off of a 1953 refrigerator sometime. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) That is fear. How many understand that's based in fear? That you are thinking times may get so hard (laughs) that you have to make you something out of that. Someone said, well, it could happen. God's going to be here tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next, no matter what happens, He's going to be here and His people that trust in him. Are not going to have to beg. Yes. Come on are you listening to me. And if you be willing and obedient. You shall eat the good of the lamb. Is still going to be true. No matter what's happening in the world. Or in the government. Come on do you believe it. Yes. This fear based stuff. Is wrong. It's it's against faith. The Lord did not tell us to fear. He told us to fear Not. He didn't tell us to hoard. Here's something that may shock you. Brace yourself. <laughs> Clean your plate. Yes, hallelujah. Is unscriptural and unspiritual. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but Mama, yeah, but grandpa. Unscriptural. And unspiritual. The Bible didn't say. Clean your plate. It said leave some. <laughs> Did it or not. Yes. Leave some. See people think. There's some spiritual merit. To being so stingy. And so tight. And I don't know of anything in the Bible. That talks about any rewards. That people are going to get. For, being, for saving every little thing. This actually keeps you from prosperity. It keeps you from being liberal and generous. And if you don't sow and give and live liberally and generously, you're not going to reap generously. And so you're going to stay in a cycle of poverty and lack and tightness. And your fears will come on you. If you're afraid, you may need it sometime. You will. And you may think, well, see there, I told you, not realizing you're the one brought it on yourself. Right. That's good work. Good work. I've chosen to believe. My God's going to feed me yeah. all my life long. Yeah. I'm going to have abundance yeah. every day of my life, everything I need. Yeah. Just like manna falling out of the sky. And when we need twice as much. We will have twice as much. If we need ten times as much. We will have ten times as much. Because he will not fail. My God shall supply. All of my need. According to his glorious riches. That never run dry. In Christ Jesus. The Lord began to deal with me when those car part thing came up. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. And he began to remind me of my, my grandma and and how they grew up and we grew up and he started talking to me about things like margarine bowls. Margarine bowls. Do you really need a hundred and sixty-five margarine bowls, bread wrappers, those little packs of plastic forks and spoons that you get through the drive-through with the little packs of ketchup. and, and Do you really need 397 of them? <laughs> huh? It's a poverty mentality to save stuff that you should throw out. People say, I just can't get rid of it. That's a lie. That's a lie. You choose not to. Very foolishly. If you're that way and you hoard everything and you keep everything and you can't throw everything away, you are a miser and it's why you're miserable. Keeping all this stuff is not making you happy. It's making you miserable. It's in your way. Not just in your way physically. It's in your way spiritually. It's in your way solically, Because the way all the cramped stuff all around you. Is a reflection of what's in you. I like elbow room. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody beside me like. I like. And I got scripture for it. Amen. He brought me into a broad place, <laughs> wide place. who somebody say glory to God. The Lord said, "Leave some." Leave some. What if I left a whole shop but I couldn't leave it. Leave it. Yeah, but I leave it. Lord said, "Leave it." Amen. Now you're gonna be rebellious, or you're gonna leave it. Amen. I dropped a whole and Leave it. Yes, sir. I still got a half a pot roast. So leave it. You see, people got both ends of their windshield wipers flapping. You know the blades? Been flapping for three years. Oh, that blade's got a lot of good wipes left in there. (laughs) Tires. Tires. Thread showing. Oh, it's got two good tread right over there on the side. <laughs> got two good tread. That tire's got a lot of miles left. There. You know there are people that are dead today because of that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, actually, the Lord dealt with them. Go over there and get you some tires, and they were too stingy to do it. And hydroplane, and somebody got hurt, somebody got killed. This uh, spending a dollar to save a dime. Ignorant stuff you know, driving all over town, wasting all kind of time and money to save three cents a gallon on gas. <laughs> what's wrong with that? It's being led by three cents a gallon instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. It's what's wrong with it. And what can happen is some really bad stuff. If you don't even try to be led about where you're doing and what you're going and how and why, you can wind up at the wrong intersection at the wrong time and get in a wreck or kind of... How, how, have all kind of problems because you've opened the door to the enemy Mm -hmm. there are times the Lord will deal with you to pay extra (laughs) (laughs) and you go yeah but yeah and he'll say leave it leave it it. there was one time this king if you read about in the scriptures uh, he hired an army to go with him without checking with the Lord cost him well you can imagine hiring armies millions of dollars. And the Lord uh, sent a prophet to him and said, if they go with you, you will not win and I won't be with you. Send them home. He said, Lord, what will I do about my millions of dollars? And the Lord said, I'm able to give you much more than that. In other words, what? Forget it. It's gone. Maybe you'll check with me next time before you write the check. Huh? (laughs) Huh? But if you love money, and if you're tight, and if you're fear-motivated, you can't stand that. You can't stand it. You can't throw that bread wrapper away. And you've got to have all the margarine bowls. And you, you, no matter how much money you ever get, you'll never be rich. You'll still be a poor person with money. And you won't be able to enjoy it. Because you're locked and narrow on the inside. You know, see people pick up the little pieces of soap out of the bottom and go, "Oh, I could get another two two showers out of that." You know, and, and take the uh, shampoo bottle, rinse it out five times. No, no, they're just rubbing water on their hair and they're going, "Oh man, that's a little bit of soap left in there." See, this is not just. Being a good steward. This is way beyond being a good steward. This is being stingy. This is being tight. This is being fearful. This is being poverty stricken. Go on and leave some. Leave some in the bottle and just go. (laughs) And don't go back and get it. (laughs) Just throw it out. Leave some. Somebody say leave some. Leave, some. leave some. Did I make this up or did we read scriptures? Huh? Did the Lord say leave some? Yeah. Just leave. And can you see that tied to leaving some was them having ability and excess to help the poor. And the principle is the same today. You get liberal sold and you'll start operating in a different place. And when the Lord deals with you to do it, you'll just do it. And you won't look back and you won't worry about it. And it'll begin to come into you because you're sowing generously and liberally. It'll begin to come into you in increasing increments and measures beyond where you've been. And that brings you to the excess that you can use to minister to people who are in more need than you. Can you see this? But when you're totally focused on pinching every penny and and squeezing every little thing, you can have no world vision. You don't see anything beyond yourself. You're totally preoccupied and consumed with your bills and saving a dollar and and doing this and doing that. I, I know I was focusing on, this is many years ago, a project and and asked, I thought maybe I'd spend a little bit too much on that. And, and it's bothering me a little bit. And I thought, Lord, I, I want to be a good steward. And he said this to my heart. I, you can do what you want to with it. But he speaks to me the way I understand it. And, and he said, because uh, he, he, I, I, I was laboring for no reason. I should have known better. And, and he spoke to me kind of sternly. He said, he said Keith, I don't care how much it costs. Just get the job done. Hallelujah. And I meditated on that for weeks. I thought, would he care if you spend an extra $50 on something? He creates stars and planets. Would he care if you spend an extra million on something? Is he going to go, ooh, that bothers me. (laughs) He told me, I don't care. Just get it done. He cares that you get it done. There's a whole lot of people care that you save money more than getting it done. And so while they're counting pennies and waiting for everything, time is passing and it's being put off and it's not getting done. That's what angers the Lord and displeases the Lord, not the fact that you might have spent a little too much. Well, you glad you came or you wish you hadn't come? Stand up on your feet, everybody. Do you want to be free? When does it start? Does prosperity begin when you see more money in your pocket? When you see more in your account? No, no, no. Prosperity begins, increase begins the moment your soul begins to prosper. Close your eyes, lift up your hands before the Lord. Lift up your hearts to Him. Just see Him in your mind's eye and reach up with your heart towards Him said out loud, Lord I, love you, Lord, I love you and I worship you. I, worship you. I, believe, I believe you are an exceedingly big, you are an exceedingly big amazingly big, great, amazing great, awesome, God. awesome God. You're not a God. You're not a little God. You don't have a little plan. You don't have little plan. Forgive, me Forgive me for any narrowness, for any narrowness. tightness, Smallness of, thinking, Smallness of thinking, any fear. Any fear. Enlarge my, my insights. Enlarge, Enlarge my mind. Let my soul prosper, Let my soul prosper in, you. in you unto generosity, unto, generosity. unto liberality, unto, liberality. Unto, liberty. unto liberty. In Jesus' name.